The QPR Podcast Live is supported by BWIN, who are offering 5-1 to one that QPR will bounce straight back with promotion to the Premier League. For more QPR and football odds, go to bwin.com. QPR! Welcome back to part two of QBR Podcast Live at the Good Ship Kilburn. So, in case you didn't get it, if you're listening tomorrow, we have Kevin Gallen with us for part two. And we had one change in the interval. Uh, we have Clive Whittingham from Loft for Words with us. So, boo! You booed me. Just, just as good looking as... Uh... Clive's microphone just as doesn't work. Just as go. good looking as Chris Mendes, so no one's going to notice the difference. Mm. <laughs> Okay. Really? really? You're talking about the Portuguese dreamboat, although it doesn't like to be called that. So, this section, this second half after a brilliant first half with Neil Warnock is Any Questions with Kevin Gallen. If you want to, if you're here with us at the Good Ship, if you want to ask a question, put your hand up, come down to the bottom and, and we'll give you the mics. Um, I guess I'll start. I'll start with the first question. What is Finney doing, by the way? Finney is poised. Um, oh, Okay. That's a really bad <laughs> Really? Finney's poised with a microphone for any questions. Um, it should be you, really. Carry Kevin, on. I'm going to bring it down completely because we're going to talk about this season, I'm afraid. Oh. Um, <laughs> did QPR get what they deserved? Got what they deserved? Jesus Christ, starting a high note. <laughs> Jesus, David, really? Thanks. Thanks, cheers, cheers for that. Yeah, after Neil Warnock's great performance, he's start me <laughs> off with like that. Did you have? Did you? You oh. and Neil Warnock cross when you were working? Yeah, li- at the club? yeah, li- little bit. Yeah, when I um, when I sort of finished playing football, um, I joined in at the youth with the youth, and uh, Neil Warnock was the manager, and uh, I was just chatting to him there just before he left, and he was a good guy, done excellent for QPR. Obviously, the stories from uh, that championship season was was great, and you know, probably everyone feels maybe if he was when he just spoke there before, if he was probably given that transfer window, you know, things might have been different. But we'll never know. So, but he he, he was, uh, you know, he just when he was the manager, he sort of let us uh, get on with the youth team and uh, get on with it, and he was very supportive, and and you know. I, he was a very good manager for QPR. He's, uh, he's up there with, with with the best of QPR managers over the, uh, over the recent history. You'll say we'll, we'll never know, but I mean, do you think, in in, in retrospect, um, given what happened afterwards? I mean, as he himself said, we weren't in the bottom three. We won three away games. Do you think he should have been given a bit of a bit longer to to try and sort it out? Well, he. 
like he just said, he, the transfer window was coming up, and he said that you know the games that were coming up were were not well, like, there's no easy games in the Premiership. Everyone knows that, but probably more winnable games than the previous maybe six or seven that they had that QPR had. So you know we don't know what targets he had or, or this, that, and the other. But you know with the financial backing that the the next managers have got. Who knows what kind of signings he would have made, and that could have been made a, a massive difference. Yeah, and, and 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 in your own current situation, I mean, Andy Sinton, I think, is the latest former player to be uh, inducted, if you like, into QPR. Is there any way back for you? Well, <laughs> look, look, I, I don't know. I I, I don't know. Look. Uh, oh, is it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, sorry, I didn't. Realize. On that subject, it's um, you know, I, I think everyone knows my love for QPR. It, it will, it's all, it's always be there. Um, I've got three kids now, and well, I live in St Albans, and I send them off to school with QPR badges. And my daughter actually said to me, uh, Kevin, uh, not Dad, what? <laughs> <laughs> She is my daughter, by the way. Well, I hope so. <laughs> she said to me, what about relegation? What does that mean? I said, well, we're sort of, we're going down to the championship. So we're not in the Premier next year, Daddy. I went, uh, uh, no, no. But don't worry, don't worry. don't. Worry. We still support QPR. They got in with badges. So I'm a QPR fan. I'd love to work for QPR. You know, I was working at Millwall last season doing scouting. With uh, with with our ex manager uh, Ian Holloway, so that was nice. And I've had an offer from another Championship club to do scouting and maybe do come in and uh, do s- coaching with the strikers. But I've got to say, you know, I don't really, I don't really want. I'd rather work for QPR than work for a, you know, a rival in the, in in the league. So it's out of my hands. Um, we'll see. So basically, so basically, should we bring Kevin Gallon home? I think we should. Yes. It doesn't work like that, and I understand that you know the manager's there now, and uh, he has he has to have people he trusts, and managers have that you know they always have people that they want in in at the club. But we'll see, we'll see. Uh, we'll go to a question from Mixler, and then we've got one here with us at the Good Ship. Uh, Killian Brennan, uh, I guess this is as a QPR fan. What would you enjoy more: a season in the Championship, potentially winning games and challenging for promotion? Or a season in the Premier League, losing and most probably struggling to stay up? Yeah, that's a difficult question because I remember last season, um, went to the first game of the season, was it Sheffield Wednesday and we won. We, I remember we went 1-0 down and we came back and, and we won 2-1. And I remember coming out of the ground and everyone, I could see all the crowd and all the fans were buzzing and happy where the previous season we just we couldn't get we couldn't get a win and if it did if we, if we did it was few and far between so it's a very good question you know at the end of the day the fans need to be entertained and need to go home happy you know it's it's a tough question obviously 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 we all want to be in the premiership and want to be winning games but it's a very difficult league mm. so I don't know, but hopefully next season we can win some games and send everyone home happy every now and again. Yeah. Got a question here? Uh, my name's Jazz. Um, my question is, imagine you're given the 
job as keeping our manager next season and the first thing you do what is it well, practically I think, or as an overall thing just what's the first thing you go the first thing I would do I think, need, I, I, I think there needs to be a, a big clear out of, of players that's my, me personally I think the culture the culture of the, of the football club has to change I think players have come to QPR in the last few years not to, not to play really but to pick up a lot of money pick up a lot of money and uh, and pretty much sit, and sit on their asses, which is so disappointing because the teams I played for at QPR, that was not the case. Um, I think definitely need to, you know, everyone keeps saying about young players, this, that, yeah, but, you know, there has to be a bit of a blend. You have to bring young players in, you've got to bring 25, 26-year-old players, and then you've got to have good senior players as well to help those young players along. So there's got to be a, there's got to be a mixture. But I know, like, when Richard, Richard Dunn was signed a couple of years ago, you know, he sort of, last season I thought he was great. I thought he was great up to, you know, since until he sort of came back from injury but he looked like he had something to prove that he could still play in a first team and I thought he'd done really well and there's this, you need to buy players that, who who want to play who want to who play every week and have something to prove and the culture at QPR needs to change I think big time and hopefully it will with signing of hungry, really hungry players not coming from the, for the money I know players and I've heard players speak over the years and they're from other clubs, and, and they say, oh, I'd love to go and play for QPR. And you're like, why? Well, because they're just giving out shed loads of money. And that's a sad indictment of what's happened over the, at QPR for the last uh, three or four years. So it's not... It's not what the answer is, you need to sign... You, you need, well, no, the, the answer is, for me, you, you stop paying the big money and you say, hold on, there's a cap. We ain't paying above this anymore. It's got to stop. And now, if it takes, if it takes, if it takes a few years to get back to the Premiership, look. If Bournemouth can do it, why can't QPR do it? Mm. That's how I look at it. If you know, there's, there's good clubs out there. If they can do it, I can't see how QPR. But the culture of the football club has to change, and it starts with the players, and it starts with recruitment. Bye. The, the question about whether you want to be in the Premier League or the Championship should be an easy one because if yeah. we were in the Premier League doing it like Swansea are doing it or Stoke are doing it, we'd all be having a, a, a bloody lovely time, wouldn't we? Yeah. So is it not... It's, it's indicative... We know that if we come into the Premier League again, chances are the way they've run the club and the way they taught is they would do it wrong again. So you've actually got QPR fans thinking... Well, maybe we'd be better off in the championship playing Rotherham. That's that's how bad the club. Yeah, exactly. Exact, you're spot on because I'm only saying that, and we're only thinking that because of what's happened last season. Now, if, if for the next, maybe if we get promoted next year or the season after, with a team that's hungry that plays for the badge and plays for the club, we won't be saying that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, exactly. the Premier League's the place. It's to a be. great. It's, it's a great. Just, I mean, if Southampton can do it. We're paying much more wages than Southampton, but they're doing they're they're doing great. So is Swansea. It's got to change, and I think it will. Question here. Hi, Kev. Uh, I agree with you about we need hungry players. I think we're better off going for players from sort of leagues below 
And so they're hungry to get to the Premier League, as we've seen with Charlie Austin. Right. If you were the manager, which two strikers would you sign? Ooh. Ooh. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, Kev. Well, no, I mean, first, first it's very about uh, Charlie Austin and the two best, the best signing we've made over the last, well, I don't know, maybe three or four years is Charlie Austin. Yeah. Because he's come from a lower division that, yeah. and he wants to, we should be signing players that, who want to come to QPR and this, whatever. Charlie Austin's not a QPR fan. I'm sure he loves the club. Yeah, yeah. But if Liverpool comes in for Charlie Austin yeah, or yeah, where, yeah. he wants to go. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's different for other players. If you're like, like when I was a player, I just wanted to play for QPR. Yeah. But Charlie Austin, if he moves, but that's, that's, a, that's a great signing. We sign him for four million. We get two great years out of him and we sell him for 10 yeah. or 15, whatever. That's a great signing for us. Matt Phillips, his last two or three months of the season have been excellent. Yeah. Now... They were both hungry players, weren't yes, they? Yes, they were both. I'm saying they've come from lower, the, the, the lower leagues. I mean, I look at um, why couldn't we have signed, is it Callum Wilson at Bournemouth? Yeah. It's a great yeah. player. Yeah. From commentary, I've seen him last year playing. Yeah, he's a great player. We didn't take a gamble on Bournemouth did. They're you, in the Premiership. I mean, I know Burnley got relegated, but you look at. It, even they're going, down this, they're going down this year but at the same time you look at them you look at us they're probably in a better shape than what we are because they've got hungry they've got, they've got, they've got players hungry players that still want to go but QPR have got a load of I ain't being funny middle aged sort of players that are over the hill that yeah. are at the end of their careers that are on big fat wages Massive, and they couldn't yeah. care less whether they were getting relegated or not no no not at all uh, you're, no? you're, you're bang on right so we need to there is good players there is good players in the lower leagues yeah I've yeah. seen them. Look at Jamie Vardy at Leicester. Yeah. It's a good yeah, player. Good yeah. Very good player. Yeah, what did they sign him on Fleetwood? I played against him. When I was playing for Luton in the conference, I played against him. I looked at him and I went, bloody, he was a good player. Yeah. Leicester took a gamble on him. So we need... Three or four underground and now he's in the England squad. We need to get you in as a scout, get down there lower and pick out the <laughs> centre forward that's well, going to no, take no, us yeah, to the Premier. There is players out there, but you've got to, you've got to take the gamble. But I go back to the culture of the club. Those players probably would have come to QPR and just. So, which two strikers would you have signed? <laughs> Callum tomorrow, Wilson. Tomorrow. Callum and Ferdinand. I mean, Callum Wilson. Man, I, I still like Hooper of, of, um, of Norwich. I think yeah. he's, he's still. I know he didn't play yesterday, but yeah. even as a backup strike, you can't. Look, QPR, the problem with QPR, you can't rely on Charlie Austin to score. Yeah. Someone else has got to score and help him. Or yeah. you've got to have a midfielder scoring goals. You can't just rely on Charlie Austin's 18 goals. It's, that's, no. that's not the way to stay up in the Premier League. Yeah, totally. So you can't have just one striker. You need some goals. Tough. Look at Liverpool this season. Then they don't have Suarez. They finish sixth. Steven Gerrard's their top scorer. It's just... I think the fella said it there, Gallon and Ferdinand up front. Yeah, well... <laughs> the, the question... The, the, 20 years ago. The question I want to ask you, Kevin... As a, as a QPR, like how many people here, right, all of us, have ever dreamt of wearing that blue and white shirt? Seriously, wearing the hoops. How many, come on, put your hands up. How many dreams we've had of wearing that shirt? You did it. Not many then. <laughs> I dreamt it. They're obviously not very good. Three, so, so by the looks of it. When, when, you, when you were a child and out there, what, what was it like making your debut as a QPR fan whose this day would ever come? Did, what was it like? 
Because I was, I was squinty, so I was awkward. Yeah. Squint Eastwood, I think you said it's your just, nickname was. It's, it's yeah, sort well. of, if I, look, if I look back when I was a kid and you, you, you go to QPR and, and you go and watch and you think, you just think it's, just, it's sort of a daydream and you're like, oh, I'd love to do that. And then you get to sort of 12, 13 and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm actually not too bad and I'm playing for like my school team, West London, Inner London and stuff like that. And then I was, I was like a... Uh, Playing at Watford as well, and then, and then QPR said, "Look, I was playing for my son." The team QPR said, "Come down, we want to sign you as a schoolboy." And then you're like thinking, "Hold on a minute, um, yeah, it's not bad. This, uh, I've got half a chance." And then, to be fair, I look back and I sort of, from the ages of 14, 15, 16, I, I started becoming not bad, <laughs> pretty good. And now I'm thinking, "Hold on, I've this, I've got a chance here of becoming a football player." And when you're at school and you're just you go in on a Saturday, you're watching QPR on a Saturday and then eventually you leave school and you walk in and your first day of training and you, you know, Alan McDonald turns up, hello, and you're like putting your head down and you're like <laughs> Ray Wilkins and, and Les Ferdinand and Clive Wilson and, and back at, when, I, when I joined QPR in 1992, I was just saying to a lad up there, what a fantastic team and what a fantastic blokes as well. I mean, the banter was rife and I used to get slaughtered. Like, Mallon McDonald used to just nail me every day. If I had a spot on my head, it would be like <laughs> ding dong or pizza face. <laughs> but this wouldn't, just, this wouldn't be just once. This would be like 40 times a day if he's seen you. It was just relentless and it, it was a, a growing up experience. And I used to be going, I hate him. And I used to love him. I hate him. But like David Barsley and stuff, and they would all do. But it was good grounding. They used to take the mick to take the piss out of you. But do you know what I mean? You sort of you sort of grew up really quick from being like the big man at school at 16 now you're a little one getting slaughtered by people who you adore and you're like well I can't really say anything back to them or so <laughs> they'll just absolutely hammer me and they'll call me big time and this but walking through that door and even I forgot to say it but you know Jerry Francis is what and he's the manager and you even if he said hello to you down the corridor you'd like go home happy daddy said hello to me he's like oh fucking brilliant because you're like <laughs> From what you've heard before, from your parent, from my dad, from being a season ticket, Jerry Francis is the man. He's the, one of the greatest players ever to play for QPR. So it was just mm. an absolutely amazing experience. But didn't you walking in at sixteen in the changing rooms and getting boots thrown at, going fucking clean them, and you're like, oh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, sorry, but di- didn't you break Jimmy Greaves's record? Is I that- did. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was, that was in the South East Counties uh, League, and that was, uh, you know, there's two different, uh, there's, it's all different now, but it's like Premier League, if, um, you know, Premier League 1 and Category 2, Category 1 and Category 2. So I'm quite proud of that record because when I played South East Counties, we, we, we played against Tottenham, Arsenal, West Ham. you know, some, like the big Chelsea, the big hitters of London, now, like, at the moment, QPR not in that. QPR got to play against Cardiff's and you know Crystal Palace, and unfortunately, we're not a Category One; we're Category Two. So, to break that record was yeah. At the, I mean, I look back at it, I'm, I'm proud of that record. But you know, at the time, it's just all, all I was thinking of was if I score these goals, I can move up to the next level and, and play in the first team. That, that so was I, what I, I was ex- thinking. Can you just confirm what that record was, just in case anyone's? Um <laughs> no, no. I, know, mean, I actually, uh, I don't know exactly, but it was something. I don't know. No, I don't mean the exact figure, but what, what it was around. I but, think it was around 120 goals in two seasons. Is that all? Yeah. 
Yeah, sorry. Good. So, uh, Kevin, right, what, what I'm thinking is, you're a QPR fan, you're on the pitch, Sheffield Wednesday, the ball kind of hits you and goes in the net. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the great goal for us. I remember back behind the loft, going yeah. absolutely mental. You're on the pitch. How the fuck was that? Oh, Shay, sorry. No, swearing. <laughs> you, you, just said, you just said a swear word to recover your swear yeah. word. Anyway, <laughs> you're talking about my, my debut goal at home. Yeah, I mean, just unbelievable. So, I mean, I think I've, you know, we're going over old ground here and I don't want to, everyone's probably heard it, but it was just the most amazing feeling. And, I, and to be fair, I scuffed it. And it went in the corner and I just, yeah, I was, I just couldn't sleep for went to bed about five o'clock mm. and I was just going through my head and just buzzing the buzz of scoring your first goal for QPR was just just unreal yeah uh, Kev I wanted to ask you and this is any questions for Kevin so if there's a seat down here if anyone's got a question come and sit yourself here and we'll give you the mic um, come on Andy 2001 um, we didn't we, we got relegated at Huddersfield and you were playing in that game. No. Or you, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, you weren't playing in that game, but you were a Huddersfield player at that time. Yet again, yes, you yes. kill the yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, sorry. What was that like? Pretty it was shit. Aw- it was awkward. It was awkward. I remember, I remember it, went, it was 1-1 and there was like 10 minutes to go. And um, I was on the bench and I'm like, I'm literally sunk in my chair doing this. I don't want to come on here. <laughs> So I was like, I mean, Lou Macari is our manager, and I'm like, fuck, I'm, I don't want to come on here. And luckily, uh, well, unluckily for QPR, he put on someone else who then literally scored a tap-in, which if I was probably on the pitch, it would have probably landed to me. So, and don't ask the next question. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, don't ask that one. So, but it was, it was, it was just sad. It was a weird feeling because I remember, I remember coming out of the, the changing rooms and I went to see Ian Holloway on the coach and I sort of said look and he was like near tears in his eyes and I was like gee this is this is no good do you know what I mean and I remember that and my, my brother had came up and my my cousin from America went he was over and he came up and we got the train back with and there was loads of QPR fans on the on the um, on the train we got the train back to King's Cross yeah King's Cross and I was chatting to the the fans and obviously they were just distraught I obviously I was absolutely gutted but it was it was a weird it was it wasn't a great situation at all. Pleased you didn't get on. Oh, delighted, yeah, delighted. Yeah. <laughs> question here. Hi, Kev. Uh, Hi. Basically, of the promotion season, out of the squad, who was the biggest practical joker in the changing room? There was, yeah, there was, there was. We had that. Oh, no. Was it you? Chris oh, just no, pointed to no, Kev. No, well, I was up there. Having yeah. a, we was always, when you have a when you have a successful team, there's always good. Um, it's always good camaraderie, good banter in the in the changing room, and uh, we, we, you know, the lads that that was a great bunch of lads who, uh, you know, obviously we played played well and worked really hard for each other, but we had some fun in in the changing rooms. And what was that? What was the biggest prank you played that season? <laughs> you know, you put me on the spot now. <laughs> I can't remember, but we had. I mean. We had obviously Birch was very lively in the changing room to say the least. The blue and white uh, hair. The blue and white hair. He got a lot of stick for that, and you know the 
the, ta- the, the, the lion tattoo on his arm after the Millwall game, me and Gareth Ainsworth gave him plenty of stuff. But Gareth Ainsworth was great fun, and Martin Rowlands, and even all that, Danny Shitu, and just, it was just a really, good, a really, really good squad. Great squad of lads, and, and, and obviously the manager at the time, Ian Holloway, was, you know, he probably was the biggest practical joker out of all of us. I mean, I remember one time he came on the pitch, he brought um, like a, a stereo system while we were training. Kenny Jackett's taking training. He comes on the middle of the pitch, blares out music, puts it in the middle, starts dancing, and says, Come on, you miserable bunch of fuckers, get dancing. And we're like. <laughs> And I remember Kenny Jackett, who's like the straightest man, you know, in football, just looking at him, and we're just like, pissing ourselves, like, and he's like dancing there for like five minutes, and we're all just looking at, what are you doing? But that was the, that was the times, and it was, it was great fun. Can I take you back to one, one particular game? Um, Sheffield Wednesday, Hillsborough. Yeah, I mean... Both, yeah. both tiers full. What, huh? what, 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 and they put the Bristol City score up as well. If I'm yeah, really. Did you see that? You, well, no, they heard. They, they put. I think they put on a tannoy as well. But it, that, do you know what? They should never have done that. That was out of order. I mean, that's just poor, poor behaviour. Because what, what, what difference has that got for Sheffield Wednesday? But it, it, it added actually a little bit of pressure because you looked up on the screen and you see the, the score flashing. And you're like, oh god. And we're off. We're under pressure as it is, and you're fucking. We need to do something quickly. So, luckily, it all turned out all right in the end, and it was got saved. Probably the best few weeks of my life, really. That that um, after that, we had we had some good parties. After that, it was brilliant. Uh, even though, yeah, I know. And even though we had, we even had the you know tour of the. Hammersmith and Shepherd's Bush and around the ground when the bus that was yeah we celebrated things there it was really good it was it was absolutely brilliant I remember that till the day I die now I, I remember that very well too that train journey on the way back and then at the uh, the pub that used to be called um, uh, it's now called the, was called the Stinging Nettle and then it was called so I don't know what it was called then but anyway the Bush Ranger that was it um, I was just going to say like sadly bringing you back to the present day I mean what, what do you think the biggest factor in us getting relegated this season was. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, everybody. Thinking about it, it's just didn't score enough goals and conceded too many. Yeah. <laughs> Great answer, Kev. Thanks very much. Good night. Kev, how did your uh, how did you change your game after your injury? Because it, it was a, it, at that time it was an injury that I mean it still makes an impact, but back then it, it really made an impact. And you were a goal poacher before, and more of a sort of hold up and lay guy afterwards. How did you sort of change after that injury? Well, I just had a discussion up. Up, up the stairs with the, uh, a couple of lads there and um, when I first got in the QPR team the, the team like I just mentioned before was fantastic I mean Barsley McDonald you know Maddox Clive Wilson Ray Wilkins was there about he was sort of retiring Simon Barkey not, but Trevor Sinclair Impey I mean Les Ferdinand was what a goal one of the top goal scorers in the, you know in the league every season and we had some good players on the bench now you say that after I'd done my knee, but when I came back and with the Ian Holloway scene, I wasn't playing with that sort of standard or player. So I sort of ended up doing more of the focal point uh, and getting hold of it and laying it off and getting the team building and trying to get in the box because the team wasn't as good. I would say for a few years with Ian Holloway, I was playing as good as football that I was before that, but it was at a different level and with different different types of play. No disrespect to the players I was playing with, but we can all hold our hands up here and say that 
team from 1991, 92 to 95 was was one of the best QPR teams in recent, well, in a lot in the last 30, 40 years. So I was actually doing more work outside the box than what I wanted to do when looking back. But that was the times, and yeah, I was as I, I was never as fit playing for QPR than I was a playing for Undine Holloway and strong and I, I managed to play over 100 games without injury which for me was probably my biggest achievement playing for QPR where previously I was playing like five, six, seven, eight games and pulling my hamstring and it was once that happens you just never get into any rhythm and you can't find any fitness. Having seen Ian Holloway, the way he managed QPR, and the, the story you told there was fairly typical of it, and then seeing him more recently, particularly at Millwall, I mean, you work with him at Millwall, what, what has changed there? It just it seems that he's not the same guy, yeah. I don't know. Well, look, everyone changes, doesn't they? I mean, that was, what was that, 2010, 10, 12 years ago. He was hungry then. He had his motivation skills, not only for the for the team, but even for the fans. He got everyone on side. You know, we was in administration, but he got everyone together, didn't he? I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seemed that everyone was pulling in the right direction, and it was more than now, like more sort of a family club. You know, I think we've gone away from that, and I've got to mention this. It's been in my mind for for a long time, but I went to Alan McDonald's funeral. In when he died, unfortunately, a few years ago, which is obviously for everyone in uh, QPR fans sad. But I went to that funeral, and so did like Andrew Impey, Darren Peacock, Simon Barker. The only person who turned up from QPR, well, there was two, it was Terry Springett, the secretary, I think Dave Robertson. No one, no one from the first team, no one the management, no one turned up, and that's not. That's not QPR. That's not the QPR we I grew up with. That's not the QPR we all grew up with. And I just think now it's out of order. I also think... I also think there was, a, um, there was another member of staff at uh, QPR, John O'Brien, who worked with the youth team. He was full-time. He died um, six weeks ago. And I know I'm bringing the, the a bit down, but I went to that funeral as well. Steve went to that funeral. He was full-time at QPR. But what sort of saddened me again was, I don't work for QPR, Steve does, but no one else from QPR went to that. The manager of Fulham was there. The chief executive of Fulham were there. There was 10 members of the staff of Fulham there. There was six or seven Chelsea there. There was five or six Arsenal there. And you're thinking, hold on a minute, what's going on here? And I just don't think, I'll say it again, don't think we need to get back. And that's why the culture of the club has to change. I mean, going, going back very, taking it back very briefly to Ian Holloway, because, um, sorry, sorry, Steve, you're getting on very, very, very quickly. Um, I, mean, I used to do a column with Ollie um, for the BBC like for a couple of years. And I think what I've noticed is that... Um, because I, I, when, when I, I started with him, it was with Plymouth, and he went to Leicester, that was ill-fated, and then he carried on, and, and for whatever reason, it stopped. Um, he seemed... It, 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 basically, he was saying, um, I want to be taken seriously as a football manager. I don't want to be known just as a joker. And at that point, when that happened, 
it all started to go wrong. You know, he he, he like it, it, he almost wanted to change his personality, and he and for every interview after that, he was being serious instead of clowning around. And yet, when he was clowning around, that seemed to be when he was doing all right. Yeah, I mean, he was when he was probably with the media cra- clowning around, and he dubbed the odd bit of clowning around, but. There's no. He was deadly serious when we were playing football, and if you, he used to pull me if I weren't playing well and say, "Look, you got to do this and and that," and you you take it on the chin, or you might disagree, but you just get on with it. But yeah, I agree. Look, obviously, his best times have been with QPR. He done wonders at Blackpool as well. So, I mean, I, I played with him at Plymouth, and he was sort of the same sort of thing at. Um, when he was at Plymouth and at QPR, he he had, you know, he had everyone pulling in the right direction. And you know, when you see that advert, Green Arm, he, I remember in the offices, he would be just he'd be just walking around the offices up and down the corridor, saying Green Army, and all the and all the secretaries would say Green Army, and it was like just laughing. It was it was brilliant. But he had that he had that sort of uh, personality and, Steve. That, and that thing. Over to you, mate. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, the, re- <laughs> the reason I was quite keen to come in there, because my, my question is about culture as well. We've had a lot of new appointments at the club recently. Perry Suttling, Lee Hoos. Uh, um, obviously, Les a few months ago. Ramsey's been confirmed as permanent. Andy Sinton, club ambassador, whatever that is. Um, do you think that's enough to address what's been happening with culture? And if not... What you know, what does need to happen? Because like Tony Fernandez has said, my senior team is now complete. Is it is it enough to make the changes that need to happen? Easy question. Oh no, yeah, tough questions. I don't. We'll have to. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see because who knows? But it's a start. Now, it it all sort of stems from the top, obviously. Now, the signings. I we don't know what's going to happen and what signings we're going to make. Of what judgment we we think how QPR are going to do next season. So if someone's asked me, how do you think we'll do next season? I'll be like, well, I don't know. Until we make these signings and who they are and how good they are and what type of player they are. But it needs to sort of start with, like I said before, a clear out of the... Because we haven't... If anyone gets cleared out or gets sold, apart from Charlie Austin or whatever who've done well... They can't really sort of say, "Oh, I've been hard done by." It's, it's, this is an expected. Expected. We we just went to Leicester and lost five one. Yeah. I mean, that's not acceptable, is it? No, no I don't think so. No. No. I looked at the score and I'm like thinking, "Well, we got off. We we've done all right against Newcastle, but no. you know, we're playing Le- we're playing Leicester. They're not. It's yeah. not Real Madrid, and we lose five one. And I'm just thought, come on, we've got to be better than that. The fundamental question, though, for for me is. Can can the culture change? And yeah, I think it? it will take time. I think there's there's been stories of bad eggs and this, that, and the other. Well, you know, the manager obviously knows. Les obviously knows who they are, if they are bad eggs, and they'll be get. Hopefully, they'll be getting rid of. The unfortunate thing is, if they're under contract, it's difficult to get rid of them. Kev, we've got a question from Mixler here. If you could change one thing at the club right now, what would it be? The badge. <laughs> What's your favourite badge? I, 
work. I like well, the one I played in, but I seen a couple on Twitter the other day, and I thought they're quite nice actually. So uh, I don't know who who done those, but um, there is that's all right. except for the podcast, but that's all right. But I like the, the shield with the with that's the de- the, sh- the shield with the design, and I don't mind keeping the London W12 in because that's got sort of a bit of a global appeal. But yeah. What? Just a bit twelve. Yeah, well, no one in, no one abroad. Ken, knows Ken, Ken, you're not on mine. London, London W12 with or whatever. I quite like that, but I do think I, I, I even the, the current badge. If you take out the the fluff and the crown and <laughs> flav- actually, hang on, hang on. Two, yeah, yeah, flav- uh, I've got, that, I've, Flavio's hair. It's all right. I've got I, I've got a school bag. Anyone a school bag from the seventies where you got the shield and just the QPR in the shield. That's not too bad, and with like London W12, and look, I'm not what, a designer. Did no, not even mean London, does it? Yeah, of course. I think it probably does. Spell the honest, foreigner. Yeah. Hold yeah, on. on, Kev. Uh, before these boys come in, um, I just wanted a quick question about Charlie Austin, and uh, hopefully I've not um, asked the same question as you have. Um, first of all, you were mooted for a five million move to Man United um, before you got injured. A if you'd had the chance to join them, would you have done? And B... <laughs> well, I think, to be honest, I mean, who wouldn't, really? Um, and, and I'd then, be richer. And then B, the, 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 the other part of the question was, Charlie Austin, what sort of club... Um, I mean, he, obviously, he's not going to stay at QPR, we know that. What sort of club, if you were him, would you be looking to join? Easy question. Um... <laughs> Regarding the Man United thing, I don't know. This all, there's a lot of paper talk at the time, but at the time, I was playing for my, my team. We had a really good team at the time. I was living at home. We were, I finished the first season at QPR's top London club, so I didn't really want to move to anywhere at the time, so it didn't happen. I don't regret, I don't regret things that don't happen. Regarding Charlie Austin, you know... If he can, I've, I've said it loads of times. If he can just pr- improve his outside of the box play, then he could play in the top uh, top six team. At the moment, I watched him. I've watched him closely over the last year, but especially the last two or three months. He's a great goal scorer. He's great. At, he's great in the air, at, not as in flicking things on, but attacking balls that come in. And if he gets the right service, he'll score goals. I think he's looking. I think he's looking at someone like a Southampton that sort of type and that would be I mean the way Southampton played and the way you know hats off to them they sold sold players for bundles of money and then replaced them with not so much and and done even better so you know maybe he thinks maybe go to Southampton get better and then maybe move on to a top top six club so we don't know what's going on in his mind but I can't see him staying at, at, um, at QPR and he probably wants Ooh. to stay in the premiership got time for a few more questions question here um you've spoken tonight about the culture of the club and how we want to implement what we had previously um looking at les ferdinand and what he's been tasked with doing do you feel that his responsibility mainly to the club right now is to push forward what we were about what we were used to be good at which you touched on earlier and what would you say in the first year of Les being in charge, or say the first season, what are Les's main things? What would you suggest, if you were telling Les, what do you do right now, Les? What would you like him to see him doing? I'd like, well, from what I can gather, Les will be in charge of recruitment. 
and Chris will be in charge of coaching and managing the team. What I'd like to see QPR, and that's obviously Les and everyone, is buy players, get players that, I've said it before, but hungry, but Les came from non-league and turned out to be one of the best players QPR's ever had. I mean, we signed Stan Bowles from Carlisle, turned out to be... We just we signed Charlie Austin from Burnley. What I'm trying to say is, we've done well when we sign players from below, and yeah, they become better. So, I could go back: Trevor Sinclair, Blackpool, Alan McDonald come through the youth team. Jerry Francis come through the youth team. I'm not saying I came through the youth team. There's like the the best players that sort of have come from through and played for QPR are not the big hitters, the big signings. It's the ones where we've got them, seen a bit of potential, nurtured them, and got love. Darren Peacock's signed him for two fifty, sold him for two and a half million. I mean, that's just that. It was, and I said this on the last podcast last year. We need to go and sign, go out. People say there's no yet. Go out and buy the best non-league player. Go out and buy the best League Two. Yeah, Gary. Go out and buy the best League Two, the best League One player, or go out and find the best. Conference, youth team good, players, good scouting, good scouting. Yeah, because get the eyes out there, getting the non-league, getting what was the blue square or what was yeah. the lower league. Andrew Dot Wines many years ago, Hazen. get in there, get and the eyes out yeah. there, get get in those lower league games and see yeah. who's out there, who's available. But you who's have to pay these. You can't just like send scouts out and not pay them because they were, there's no motivation. They have to have some motivation to go to these games on a Tuesday night in February or January and it's pissing down. Like, they, they, Where's the motivation? Don't just send them out there and um, give them a QPR jacket because that don't mean nothing to the people if they don't support QPR. You have to pay them right, but you pay them for performance. So you, you, you scout him, we'll give you a bonus. Bonus free. Yeah, that's what I think. Do you, do you worry that... Because, I mean, Stephen Corker, I think, is the prime example of a player who was absolutely great and looked great and everything you should be signing sort of age and injury history-wise and has come here and done poorly. And we've had others like that at Junior Hoylet and, you know, they come here and get worse. I thought Jordan Mutch was a a really good signing. Do you worry that, you know, you can scout or whatever and bring these players in, but while the club is as it is with its infrastructure as it is, you can bring in who you like, but the... You know they're just going to come here and get worse unless that changes. That's that's why I go back to the culture, and the culture is in the changing room. So it's obviously something's wrong in that changing room, and it has been for a few years. Last year was obviously okay because we got promoted, but we started. The year before was awful, but this year, obviously, we're, we're bottom. Something like you said, Corker comes in, and everyone thinks that's a good signing. Much, that's yeah, a decent signing. Even Leroy Fur, decent signing, but I think sometimes people, when you come to QPR for money and for location, it's a recipe for disaster. Oh, well, all right. We've had the razor blade hour, right? <laughs> um, we need to try and lift it a wee bit to different days. Mr. Blobby, did you meet him? We did, yes, yes. Yes. That was, yeah, I don't know. It's on YouTube now, isn't it? So, what the fuck was uh, going on that day? Um, freak, just, sorry, yeah. freak, 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 freak. If anyone's seen oh, that, God. we're talking about Noel's house party, aren't we? If anyone's seen that, yeah. So, they got all the kits, didn't you? We got all the kits, and yeah, it was just, it was ludicrous. I remember Jerry Francis came up to a few of us, and we were young pros, and he said, uh, Are you coming down to uh, the ground today for this? Um, 
was it fashion show and we uh, we went no no he went yeah yeah you're coming yeah all right Jerry yeah we'll be there so that's like sort of the respect that we had sort of fucking Jerry just told us we we gotta go if Jerry says so we went down there and then they came out in like frocks and we were just laughing but we never never we just thought it's just you know. Uh, fashion, fashion, fashionistas just going, going haywire. I was like, "What are they doing?" And then Noel Edmonds come out and with the gotcha, and then we actually actually went down to Noel Noel's house party. That was yeah, that, that was a that was a good thing to do. Yeah, it's good to show the kids. And it's on YouTube. If anyone it is, wants yeah, that. if you want to see it, yeah. Got time for two. Oh, he's doing a normal colony here. Two more questions. Uh, I think he was trying to say two more at the front. Kevin, are you going to be a permanent fixture on Magic Sponge next season? Or... <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, you uh, you obviously know Les. Les is now the man with the plan. Mm. Are you able to tell us a bit about what Les is like? Do you think he's the right man? Is he is he shaping the club in the way you'd like? Is he is he setting the culture? Is he able to set the culture? Well, I don't. I know Les as a as a as a teammate. I obviously I see him in the last five or six months but before that I haven't seen him more well, the odd time for 15, 20 years so it's difficult to me to say what he's like now than what he was as a, as, um, as a player but you know I think he's got the um, he, he, he's got an idea from what I can gather he's got an idea in his head what QPR should be and the culture that should be happening now which probably is what he thinks back when he was a player at QPR so which is you know it's like most teams that who are successful who do well everyone's got good camaraderie everyone can pull each other but it's difficult with QPR it's just like we're just talking about before it's like we got good we sign good players and they just become it's just such a hard one. He's got such a hard job. He's just got such a hard job to do, really. And, and I think it's going to take a, a lot of time. And I think us fans have to be patient, especially with, um, with, with the rebuilding job. Because it's a massive rebuilding job. And, and Chris Ramsey's in charge of the team. And Les is in charge of um, the... Um, Everything, pretty much everything. So, we, you know, it's going to be... I think there's going to be some times when the fans are going to be upset and... You know, maybe, but I think we've got to be positive and 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 support and yeah. don't be hasty. Yeah, I, obviously it's going to take time, and, and we yeah. as fans need to show the patience. But um, uh, I don't know. Les never struck me as the kind of guy who, when he was a player, not that I knew him, but mm. um, that would get involved in coaching or, or have this long-term strategic plan or anything like that. So it's just no. Yeah, I agree. As a player, I never sort of thought that he would be. Um, but he is now in charge and he looks determined and when I speak to him he looks very uh, and seems very professional and determined about the job in hand and I hope and from gathering from what I hear from the training ground he's um, he's really up for it and I just hope I hope he, what he's, he's trying to do and we all hope not just me but we all hope that he can turn around and, and I think the main thing is is get get a team that's hungry and, and playing for the badge and, and playing and giving 100% every week and that's really what we're all hoping for, I think, because we all we all love we all love to see that our team try come off that pitch, whether we win, lose, or draw, but give a hundred percent. I've got one serious question about Les Ferdinand. Do you know? Did he really break into the Blue Peter Garden? 
was before my time, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, question here. Yep. Kev. Hello. Uh, yeah, I'll just end on a good note. Who was the best player you played with, not just technically, but as a person for QPR? As a per- Well, I... I sort of played in different eras of QPR. I played You've in seen a really seen good, the good one. And the bad. I've seen, yeah, I've seen <laughs> the good, the bad, and the good. Yeah. And uh, technically, and as a player and as a pro, probably won't like this, but Ray Wilkins was absolutely just a stunning football player. His attitude is, and and for young lads coming through, especially me, the advice he used to give us, telling you what to do. He'd talk you through a match. He was just so vocal, but the way he, um, the way he just presented himself, came in, he was immaculate. He, was all, he used to come in a suit, which is unheard of now, trousers. And, you know, the lads used to, like, in Holloway, used to be coming in with a tracksuit and a pair of DMs. Well, <laughs> and they used to hang up his kit, every, uh, hang up his uh, clothes every day, the lads. And then he got to a stage, because he was hanging up the clothes every day, he'd hang his own clothes up... Before they did it for him. Mm. And that was Alan McDonald doing it every day. But, you know, Alan McDonald, Les Ferdinand obviously was, but for an absolute, for someone who was coming to the end of his career, he couldn't really run, but his passing range, his brains, his awareness is good as seen. And I've got to say, even though Jerry, even when Jerry Francis was like 43, 44, when he used to join in training, he was unbelievable as well. I mean, he had the belly and the, the you know, the hair, but you could not, the mullet was going, flap, <laughs> flapping in the wind, but you could not get the, you could not get the ball off Jerry Francis. He was as strong as an ox. Unbelievable. But Ray Wilkins for, for me was just unbelievable player. Why didn't it work for Ray as manager? Was it just a case of sold Les Ferdinand? Yeah, pretty much. But I'll just, I've said this many times. He sold Les, Les, he didn't sold him, but Les wanted to leave. So he left. Clive Wilson left. But also Ray Wilkins come to end of his time. You've just taken out three of your best players out of the team. Obviously, the replacements were no, were, weren't as good. But were, were, they, were they ever going to be as good? How do you replace three, how do you replace three players like that? And, and he didn't and going into the season with me and Daniele as just the only two strikers we'll go back to it well QPR this season with Charlie Austin as the only strikers I was 19 Daniele was 20 going into a Premier League season it's hard yeah, yeah. that shouldn't have um, that was the one mistake getting a, a decent replacement for um, re, um, for they got Les. Mark Haightley to help yeah, you out there no. <laughs> but yeah and I agree it, that obviously didn't work out but everyone at the time thought it was and even I was excited he signed Mark, on crutches when I, yeah we signed on crutches and he came onto a muddy pitch in Acton with a velvet Gucci suit on all the Avalas were like here we go I was like oh that's class I was like a young lad that's brilliant they're like giving it look at that flash fucker <laughs> so obviously that didn't work out Okay, we've, we've kind of come to the end of the podcast, and um, I think you agree. It's not been bad for a tenor, has it, really? Come on now. You heard it, Neil, Neil Warnock, and everything else. But one thing I will end with asking Kevin, I could, I could give you the thank yous, like I say, Hillsborough and everything else you've done for the club, the youth team record, playing over 400 odd games. But what is your standout memory of. Just tell us. Be the QPR fan, wearing that shirt. When you come out, when you come out, when you come out of that tunnel and you see the fans, what goes through your mind, and do they make a difference? 
oh, of course, but my recent standout memory is last season, at, uh, last year at Wembley. That was just, and that's, I've never. Oh, Bobby Zamora! To be like, to be so like bored <laughs> for over what nearly 120 minutes, and then to absolute elation, it was just—I would just remember it, just like I was like, "This is." I'm always thinking, "You know, we can have a shot, yeah? This is crap." We, but you know, the next thing we score, and then I'm with—I had my kids there. And the, the, they were absolutely. They were just. I spoke to my uh, my daughter there yesterday. I said it's a year ago. It was your. Um, communion and we didn't have a party took us straight to the game and, and she <laughs> and I said this is, this is going to be the best party best party you will ever have it, it was awful at the time and then uh, she said to me daddy I, did, I didn't know what was going on everyone was going mad I went, yeah, we were going mad but yeah recent history that was just that was just absolutely buzzing for two or three days And but obviously the Hillsborough at QPR was Great memory, and we had great times, and that was a great, great squad, and great, great bunch of people, great blokes, and and that includes the staff as well. We had a real good team uh, camaraderie, and I, it was just a little bit sad the way it sort of ended, fall away. Because if he was just backed a little bit with a bit of money, then we could have maybe, you know, carried it on a little bit more. I tell you what, those times and days, I don't know what you lot feel, but. The old QPR is still there. The heartbeat still beats strongly. We've got to take that in the next season and make that heartbeat massive. Kevin Gallen, thank you so much. Pleasure. Everyone, next season. Come on, you all! Come on! The QPR podcast is a West 12 media and Burble Media production. QPR, QPR, Super Rangers.